Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. Hi, and welcome to episode 119 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. I am wondering where you are on your food peace journey today. How are things going? I'm also wondering if you've experienced the place where you can really honestly say, I'm done with dieting. I know diet culture is fucked up. It is not about me and it's all about them. Hooray, right? That just takes off a tremendous like load and shame cloak, as I always like to call it, and puts it where it needs to belong. And if you're in that space, sometimes people come across nutrition recommendations and they wonder what to do with it. And they wonder like, is it threatening? Is this something that's going to push me back to restriction? Well, it's a really common part of the food peace journey. How to take in nutrition recommendations, maybe for like a health condition or something else, <laughs> and what to do with it. There is a way to kind of meld those two together. The way that I've experienced it is helping those affected by polycystic ovarian syndrome. 
If you're new to the podcast, this PCOS thing is something that I work a lot with because people affected by PCOS, which it's at least one in 10 women, um, they have had this like relationship with food that has been torturous. They are pushed to diet constantly and um, focus on their weight all the time in order just to get decent healthcare. If you have PCOS, I know you're nodding along right now. Well, I have a letter from someone today who's experiencing PCOS, but that's not really the most important part of it, but is also wondering as she's making peace with food and totally feels done with diet culture, how to take in sort of what we call gentle nutrition recommendations, because it sounds restrictive, no matter what angle she kind of goes in with it. And she's wanting to experiment with her food choices. Before we get to this episode's letter, and I also have a special guest I forgot to mention. Her name is Vinci Choi, and I think you are going to totally appreciate her insight. She has such important nuggets of wisdom that you're going to take away from listening to this episode. But but before we get to this episode's letter, a word from our sponsor. This episode of a Love Food Podcast is brought to you by my PCOS in Food Peace course. It is open for enrollment and I would love to see you there. Are you done with dieting and also wanting to promote health without going down again that like diet rabbit hole? Well, I would love to connect with you. I have been working with people affected by PCOS for about 15 years now. And I have this 12-step system that I take people through that helps promote uh, healing their relationship with food, moving away from diet culture, and then finding ways to promote health within nutrition recommendations that I have found to be helpful and not harmful to recovery or for those of you who are not wanting to diet, which honestly, diets don't work, so nobody needs to be dieting. They don't help anybody or at least most people, because there's always that one person out of a million that gets some kind of good thing with from it. But honestly, for most of us, diets don't work. And so people with PCOS, I don't want you to diet. I think it's super harmful and long-term just sets up um, weight cycling and like low self-concept because you may be thinking you're doing it wrong and you're not doing it wrong. So if you want to find details about the course, you just go to pcosandfoodpeace.com. If you enjoy this episode of the Love Food Podcast, I would appreciate a rating, review, subscribing, or sharing the episode. Doing any of these acts of kindness helps the show grow. It helps more people find the podcast. And I don't know about you, but I want everyone to feel more at home in their own skin today. So thank you in advance for any of those um, acts of kindness. Again, I think they're they're super um, important to help other people find the show. And I love reading them. So thank you. All right, enough of all that. Let's get to this episode's letter. Dear Food, Growing up, I don't remember thinking about you in terms of having a relationship with you. Mom cooked and we ate. She was extremely frugal and knew how to stretch her, quote, never enough dollars to get the most out of it. And she also is a great cook. So while there wasn't ever real goodies growing up, there was enough of the basics to go around. And there were quite a few of us too. At 17, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. At the time, my weight was perfectly normal, even according to the BMI. Yet I was told time and again to watch my diet, lose weight, etc. And this is how my weight cycling began. 
I quickly became obsessed with you and exercise, and over a period of a few years, I was completely immersed in diet culture. Then I met my boyfriend, now my husband, and I realized that either I can spend time thinking about my relationships or I can diet. Dieting was taking up all my headspace, but because I was so interested in him, I consciously needed to put it on the back burner. The feeling of freedom was heady and I was able to enjoy every minute of life when I didn't need to watch everything I ate. Looking back, that was when I hit diet rock bottom. I gained a few pounds quickly, but I noticed that the weight gain tapered off after a few pounds. Fast forward a few years and I realized that past the initial weight gain, my weight has remained stable. When I told all of this to my sister, she said I was describing what she heard about intuitive eating. When I read the book, I was amazed because I've been doing it all along and obviously it is truly intuitive. It is now five years later and I can honestly say I've put diets behind me for good. I don't watch you. I'm comfortable in my own skin and with my PCOS and I realize that I have a great relationship with you. Yet, I still have a hard time putting nutrition first in a way that doesn't feel restrictive. I just finished Tracy Mann's amazing book, Secrets from the Eating Lab, and I love the research she described. Yet, I still balked at some of her gentle nutrition suggestions regarding healthy food choices. Please don't tell me that I haven't been giving myself enough permission to eat because I know that I'm ready to embrace eating healthier at this point. And I definitely still would eat less healthy versions of you if I want to. I have chocolate or cookies every morning with my coffee, which I thoroughly enjoy and view as a form of self-care. Sometimes I start eating lots of chocolate and then I try to slow down and feel the satisfaction factor, which helps me stop when I'm full. So I think I'm in a place right now to try incorporating more nutrition. Is it possible that growing up with, a, with very few treats, even if there was enough actual food, might have had this effect on how I use treats today? Or am I thinking that perhaps I've waited too long to work on gentle nutrition consciously and it's become a habit, reject the food please out of hand, which might not be serving me so well anymore? I've sort of outgrown eating what's in front of me only for the sake of not dieting. I'm also curious about your tips for managing PCOS and how following those might also make them seem like food rules. Looking forward to your response. Love, PCO sister. Hey there, letter writer. Thanks for your note. I really appreciate this part of the food piece conversation. I think it's where, as a dietitian, I find myself exploring tremendously with folks. You bring up a really important question in your notes about how it's really tough putting nutrition first in a way that doesn't feel restrictive. And there's so much to that. And there's so much individualism with that. Like everyone's going to be different in how they can process and hear certain information. And here's another point. Nutrition is not an exact science. So we have to keep that in mind whenever we're reading nutrition science, nutrition research, it's such a fluid type of concept and very individual. Lucky for us, we are going to call Vinci Choi. She's a dietitian that I've gotten to know over social media over the last few years. And I think she's going to have some insight just for you. Let's go ahead and give her a call. 
Hello. Hi, Vinci. It's Julie Duffy Dillon. How are you? Hi, Julie. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. I am so glad to talk with you. And I first learned about your work by listening to Nutrition Matters podcast with Paige Smathers when you were interviewed with another person who I can't remember her name now, talking about um, that documentary. Was it what you're I just forget the name now. What what the health? No. What the health? Yes. Yeah, wait, was that was with, right. Yeah. <laughs> and I was with um, my colleague Kathleen up Kathleen. in Yellowknife, and her last name is escaping me right now. We're both being so terrible. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a great episode. And that's when I first learned about your work. And um, in case you haven't heard that episode of Paige Smathers' podcast, it's a really, really great one. But um, so thank you for. Um, chatting with us and helping us with this letter. Did you get a chance to to read it yet? Yes, I did. Awesome. Thanks for sharing it with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I have a feeling that you're going to have some insight. So, um, so when you read it, what was your general impression of what this person's experiencing? Well, I think she is, or this letter writer, I don't know why I just assumed that mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a she. Um, but I find that the le- letter writer is very um, self-aware, I think. And it sounds like this person has um, done a lot of the intuitive eating work on their own. So I feel like they're almost kind of getting so- to the point in that intuitive eating journey where they're ready to add in um, that gentle nutrition piece, but they're kind of getting that voice like, oh my God, is gentle nutrition diet mentality and trying to find that balance between, yeah, eating intuitively and listening to their internal wisdom, but also kind of incorporating some of that external health, gentle nutrition as well. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this is a really common spot for people to get stuck, you know, mm-hmm. and I, when I was reading that letter, I felt like that nudge that was making it feel uncomfortable was probably something that was important to attend to. You know, there was something about yeah. it that I was like, oh, that's probably a good instinct just to kind of like acknowledge here. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well, what would you, how would you describe gentle nutrition? Cause I feel like that's important to even discuss. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the way that I tend to describe gentle nutrition to my clients who kind of get stuck at this point is it's about intentions. So I think um, when nutrition is coming from like a diet mentality, food police sort of place, it's very much about rules and about following those rules. um, Whereas when it's kind of coming more from a gentle nutrition, intuitive eating sort of approach. It's less rules, but more just what makes me feel good, um, you know, but also considering like the science around like what makes other people feel good. And and so um, it's kind of like, am I eating with the intention to follow this rule, which would be, yeah, slipping back to more of a diet mentality versus am I eating this way because it makes me feel good? And I guess it also happens to be what makes other people feel good, you know, Mm -hmm. based on some of the research that's out there. So I think intention is a big piece when I'm describing gentle nutrition. Oh, I love that. I never thought about using the word intention and, um, you know, thinking about like, the rigidity versus um, doing it for a purpose of like, hey, this makes my body feel energized. It reminds me of like nutrition science. I feel like so many people think of it as an exact science. 
And mm-hmm. it, re- it really isn't. You know, it's so fluid and individual. And we have some research that can kind of gather data points and make averages and things like that. But I feel like gentle nutrition, like you said, it, it's more about what works for you and yeah. taking in the science to see if there's other options for you to feel um, more how you want to feel and um, being able to discard things when they don't fit you. And one of the gentle nutrition type of concepts that I work a lot with, with PCOS, like this letter writer said um, that, that they're experiencing PCOS. And one of the things I say often is like, people with PCOS probably just need more protein. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. an exact thing. And certainly there's people who talk about yanking out other macronutrients. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. I feel like they probably just need more. And I that that wording is super intentional. Like the word probably is in there because everyone's different. It may not work mm-hmm. for you and it may not, or it may not work for you now, but it may later. Um, and it's something that research is kind of pointing us to, towards, but, you know, your own experience is so much more important than the science behind it. So why not experiment and see what happens? And I, I, that's the other part of gentle nutrition I always think is important too, which I feel like that mm-hmm. intentionality points to is like, it's an experiment, you know, and yeah. just see what, what happens. And, um, you know, and I think about this letter writer and like the judgment that comes with even the thought of gentle nutrition, which I feel like is an important kind of point. And as I say that, I'm forgetting I wanted to ask you about something. So the letter writer mentions the book by Tracy Mann, e- mm-hmm. Secrets from the, the Secrets from the Eating Lab, I think. And yes, you know, that's a book that I used to always recommend. And it's I have to acknowledge my a-holeness is <laughs> <laughs> because I read like maybe half of it. And I was like, wow, this is awesome because it really goes through the science of like why dieting is harmful, like how it promotes inflammation and weight cycling is so causes the things that we always blame on higher weight. You know, it's such a great resource. But then like the end, which I didn't get to for forever, talking about like this is how you eliminate things or this is how you suppress your weight. And I'm like, what, what, what? Wait, <laughs> this is going yeah. against everything. So I w- want to remove that from the food piece syllabus for that reason. Because it's not, <laughs> it, w- it wasn't, I mean, I, there's a place for general nutrition and intuitive eating. That book has a whole chapter on it. And mm-hmm. um, that felt different to me than in Tracy Mann's book. So I, I don't know if you read The Secrets of the Eating Lab. I'm totally just throwing it at you spontaneously. But that was kind of my experience with that book. And I know the letter writer mentioned it too. Yeah. Well, unfortunately I haven't read the book yet, but I definitely have heard the same criticisms that you have had. And I think for a lot of books really that, um, that, and authors that sort of bring people into kind of this non-diet food piece approach. Like, I think there are a lot of books out there that, um, people find that, yeah, there are lots of great points, but then there's often, I mean, partly because of the culture that we live in, um, that there is that like diety point, like that part that, oh, if you did this, that you would lose weight or, um, you know, if you tried this, then it would work. Like, I think it's hard to escape that kind of wording, um, you know, given the culture that we live in. So I've definitely heard those criticisms Mm -hmm. of like secrets from the eating lab, but also other books and other authors as well. And I think that just goes back to this whole idea of intuition, right. Uh, and trusting our intuition to figure out, okay, which parts of these books are, helpful and which parts of these can we, you know, maybe reinterpret or, mm-hmm. or just like not take, um, you know, 
word for word, like kind of taking it with a grain of salt. Yeah. A lot of sifting. Mm. I feel like that's what we have to do. A lot of sifting through books and resources. Well, so considering all of this, what would you recommend as uh, like the first few steps for this person to incorporate maybe gentle nutrition or whatever you're thinking is like a a good next step for for the letter writer? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I would be really curious about um, sort of the points that she did balk at at, in Tracy Mann's book. Like what are some of these gentle, what she considers gentle suggestions that she's still kind of struggling to embrace and sort of talking about them and, and yeah, kind of like you said, experimenting with them, because I think that's what makes nutrition so as a science so confusing for people because you're right that um, the research gives us a lot of direction in terms of what probably works for most people but at the end of the day um, as a clinician when you're working one-on-one with a client that person just cares about what works for them (laughs) so Mm -hmm. so um, yeah encouraging that experimentation like it's almost like the research gives us some parameters um, for us to set this research so set some boundaries so that we're not having to experiment with everything under the sun but realizing that your reaction might be different from what comes out of that research and then yeah sort of just talking through okay what are what are those things that you want to implement and where is that and exploring where is that desire coming from like are you wanting to incorporate um I'm just going to use, say, like more vegetables, for example, because you're kind of feeling like, yeah, you know, I like the feeling of eating vegetables. I definitely feel um, more energized or whatever it might be when I eat vegetables. Or are you eating vegetables because, you know, someone told you to or or we know that they're, quote unquote, good for you. Right. So mm-hmm. so I think it's kind of um, going through, yeah, what are the specifics that you're unsure about, or what are the things that you're thinking about changing with your eating habits and, and how can we experiment with them and sit with how, how those things feel, um, in your body and in your life? Mm, Yeah. So with all that being said, something that I know other people have told me is almost that like, they're feeling both at the same time of like, yeah, like using your vegetables example. Mm-hmm. I want to eat more vegetables because, wow, it just feels like more energizing when it's a part of maybe dinner or something. Yeah. And then at the same time, it's like the eating disorder voice or that diet culture kind of voice is like tapping on their shoulder like, hey, yeah, I see you're coming back, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And um, have you heard people kind of have both at the same time before? Yeah, definitely. And I think too, um, because a lot of people are reaching, reaching out to a lot of these groups for support and people are in, um, say like Facebook groups, for example, they're at different points of their journey. So they might be saying something like, oh, like vegetables do feel good for me or whatever it might be. And that, but then like someone else, so it could be an internal voice. It could be an external voice might be like, oh my gosh, that's a really diety thing to say. Like, mm-hmm. I can't believe you said that. So I can definitely see how, um, there could be like external voices too, that are saying like, that's an eating disorder thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when really they're, they're kind of at that point where we're, they're like, no, like I can incorporate these without it being a rule, like with the intentionality of it being, um, self-care. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, what it comes down to is what's your initial intention and mm-hmm. so much of like the tapes and 
our heads can be wired to think of vegetables or whatever as eating disorder or diet culture or, you know, in reality, I, I'm like, why do they get to own like all the vegetables? Like that's not fair. <laughs> you know, why, why does like diet culture get to own movement? You know, that no, they mm. don't, they don't get to own it. Um, we get to claim all the foods and all the movements, you know, and yeah. what it comes down to is that, um, there may be times where the food will feel like, yeah, that's what my body is really wanting and craving. And that's like before and after it feels pleasurable. It feels great. And there may be a part of the like old tapes in the head that may be like, mm-hmm. you know, this sounds like it could be um, our way back. And you can, yeah. I feel like we can unlearn that part, but we have to acknowledge that they're both there, you know? And mm-hmm. and that's what I love about the intention, like getting back to know, like, like talking back to it, you know, like, no, yeah. my intention right now is to not follow some dumb rule that's not rooted in anything that has to do with me. I'm just seeing what works for me. The thing that's cool about that with any experiment is you can change it around. You can stop, you can, you know, um, mm-hmm. that's what I was thinking about that. So, um, I'm wondering, um, Vinci, if you have anything that you would like to add to the Food Peace Syllabus. And if you're new to the podcast, the Food Peace Syllabus is our collection of books and resources like podcasts or blog posts and movies, anything under the sun that further helps to cultivate a healthy relationship with food and body and bring about more peace with that relationship. Do you have anything that you'd want to add to it? Yeah, well, I would say like for this letter writer specifically, I'm thinking of a blog post that I wrote um, a few months ago that talks about meal planning and intuitive eating, um, because when people think of the words meal plan, like it's it's almost kind of like, oh, my gosh, that's diet culture right there, that um, this idea that you have to plan and like eat according to like what you planned out. And so what that blog post is all about, it talks about intention again in meal planning and how um, meal planning can still be a part of intuitive eating, depending on what your intention is. So, um, so say I write about my intention being, you know, yeah, being able to just get home and start dinner right away and saving time that way. Um, you know, being able to use up what I have in my fridge and it's not about, you know, trying to lose weight or follow rules or diet at all. Um, so I think that's, One thing that's really interesting to people sometimes is that I think even though a lot of the behaviors might be the same as like or similar to what would be considered dieting, um, when the intention is different, like that's what makes all the difference. And sometimes it is kind of doing that mindset work um, is the bigger difference rather than, you know, what people are actually eating. And then I would say for people in general um, who are maybe a bit earlier on their own intuitive eating food peace journey, um, I have a free ebook on my website that's called Stop the Food Fight, Start Making Food Peace. Um, And it's just seven steps to help people get started right away on their intuitive eating journey. So seven practical steps. Awesome. And we will put links to all of that in the show notes and you can get to it by, you know, just clicking on um, the podcast right now or by going to my website, juliedillonrd.com slash lovefood119. And all the links will be in there. So make it easy peasy. So if someone wants to find out more about you, is there an easy way to connect with your work? 
Yeah. So um, the quickest way is probably my website, vincichoi.com. And the fun thing about my name is it's not spelled how it's pronounced. <laughs> so it's V-I-N-C-C-I-T-S-U-I.com. I'm also really active on social media. So you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at VinciRD. Oh, great. Okay. I'll put those in there as well. Thank you so much for your time and expertise. I think you gave us some really important insight and nuggets to kind of go towards for next step for this really common part of the food peace journey. So thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Julie. And thanks for having me on your podcast. Take care. So there you have it. Letter writer, I hope Vinci and I's conversation gave you some next steps along your food peace journey. I see that food has written back, but until we get to that, I want to make sure that you reconnect. I want to know how things are going. I want to know if setting your intention and exploring Vinci's tools, if that was helpful. This episode of a Love Food Podcast was brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace course. Enrollment is open and you can get to all the details by going to PCOSandFoodPeace.com. If you enjoyed this episode of a Love Food Podcast, I would love it if you could leave a rating, review, share the episode, or subscribe. Doing any of these acts of kindness helps the show grow and reach more people because everyone deserves to feel more at home in the skin they're in today. All right, I need to get to Food's Letter, but until next time, take care. Dear PCO Sister, We are thrilled to see you experiencing more food and body freedom. It's been a bumpy road and diets and body hate took up so much headspace over the years. We are glad the important things in life, like your relationships, have more meaning and power. Looking ahead, we see you pausing. We sense your fear. We think it's important to sort through this fear and name your intentions. Diet culture does not own fruits and vegetables. It doesn't own variety. Stay connected to what energizes you and name when diet culture tries to woo you. Calling it out will keep it from seducing you again and keep you connected to your joy. Love food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.